0: This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
1: It's May 30th, it's the morning after the Alberta election. Jesperson here with John Hicks. In just a second, City Councilor Sarah Hamilton. We're going to talk to political columnist Rick Bell today and Dr. Mark Crawford, a political scientist, will join us in about a half an hour. We know the numbers. At least we know the ballpark right now. What we know for sure is that Danielle Smith and her United Conservative Party will form government. Danielle Smith earning a mandate last night, and I think what can be described as a convincing victory, two seats off my prediction yesterday, John. I thought forty seven forty might be how it would play out. We're looking at forty nine seats right now for the united conservatives and 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 we'll see how that plays out. of course, some of these ridings still in place, some of them within a couple of dozen votes, and we're going to get some details on that, but here's the deal. The UCP won in the ridings that it absolutely had to win. And sure, it surrendered some of them. And we'll dig into the implications of that. We're going to be looking to our email inbox through this week. We want to hear from you, Real Talkers, and how cool to mix and mingle with some of our Real Talk patrons last night at our election night VIP viewing party. We've got a lot to talk about. And you're going to find those conversations right here on Real Talk. This episode of the show is presented by our friends at Danitech. You A leader in the safety training space for more than 30 years, today, Danatech is proud to count itself among the foremost providers of online safety courses. Danatech blends deep cross-industry expertise with proprietary learning management system technology, that's LMS technology. It makes their courses stand out in the industry while creating an easy, seamless training experience for training managers and for learners alike. You can learn more about why Danatech is a leader in the safety training space by checking out Danatech.com. Well, we were grateful that Edmonton City Councilor Sarah Hamilton found some time in a busy schedule last night to hang out with us here at our election night viewing party. And, Councilor, I think it's safe to say that once those uh, polls closed and the results started to come in, although what the hell was taking so long the united conservatives established an early lead and and really never looked back at a high level the next morning here we are what are some of the things that you're focusing on what are some of the things that have grabbed your attention
2: well i'm looking at who who's still around who's in cat who who can you make a cabinet out of essentially that old Ernest Manning quote. Um, I'm looking at who won and who lost, and really, what's going to happen for the city of Edmonton because we know uh, uh, Deputy Premier and Minister Casey Maydew uh, lost to Nathan Ipp last night. What does this mean for this the city of Edmonton having no representation uh, in cabinet um, and and limited representation, frankly, in the capital region?
1: Yeah, and, and uh, literally zero representation in the city of Edmonton for the United Conservatives. That mm-hmm. one seat uh, that Matthew had, obviously. I think, b- boded well uh, for his political career at the time, ensuring that Edmonton had a cabinet position. But but let's get into it. Let me follow up on that question. What do you think it does mean for Edmonton? May I point out that some of your colleagues were, were, were prominently and publicly door knocking for the party that will form the official opposition right now. You had Edmonton councillors stumping for the NDP. Is that bad news for Edmontonians now?
2: I think that everybody is going to be uh, taking a close look at how you build a relationship with the incoming government. Um, Um, How do you make the case that Edmonton's priorities are the priorities of Albertans and that investment in Edmonton and the capital city of Alberta is a worthwhile investment? And that means a little bit of humility. I think on our part, it means a little bit of humility uh, and a, a desire to see relationship building from the the you sort of newly formed provincial government.
1: Are you uh, surprised by the wind? Did, did, did uh, the electorate or did the pundits or, or did some of the loudest voices ahead of time uh, with their predictions underestimate Danielle Smith? What do you think?
2: I abs- I think we've learned this lesson time and again. You, We continue to underestimate Danielle Smith and and she keeps pulling it off. Uh, I I a year ago, wouldn't have thought that she'd take the UCP leadership. I think a lot of people got that wrong. Um, I think six months ago, people thought that, uh, you know, the NDs had a clear victory ahead of them uh, with her. Um, And once again, she's proven, she's proven the pundits wrong. So I think of the old Marie Hennan quote, underestimate me at your peril. I think we continue to underestimate Daniel Smith at at our own peril.
1: Yeah. So everybody's kind of wondering what's this going to look like. And and, and we'll dig into this from three different angles. As we've said Uh, today's show, we have the politician, we have Mm -hmm. the pundit coming up and then the political scientist, Uh, Daniel Smith, last night uh, speaking pretty plainly essentially right to the prime minister uh saying we sure hope he's listening tonight i'm sure that a member of his staff at least was and and there's that saber rattling again we can expect the tone of that but but some people right now including those writing into the show going, what does this mean for our pensions what does this mean for the rcmp what does this mean for some of those more local issues
2: well i i mean we heard in that speech last night the the classics of alberta politics we heard the economy we heard energy and we heard you you know, standing up to Ottawa, and it doesn't matter, I think, what political stripe you are, those are the the talking points that win you the hearts and minds of Albertans time and again. Um, I think given, I, I mean, I'm always like, reach out to your local MLA, but make your voice heard on those things like pensions, those those issues like healthcare, whether or not it's, um, you know, in Edmonton or broadly
1: across Alberta. What does this mean for Rachel Notley, do you think? I mean, this is, uh, I think it's safe to say that you would you would have looked at all the factors, you would have looked at all things considered mm-hmm. and, and said, this is about as ideal a circumstance as circumstances you're going to get if you're the NDP in an election. You know, the economy's in a relatively good place, so there's not kind of as much anxiety as there might be if oil's down at $35 a barrel. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got some controversy around some of the candidates. You've got s- somewhat of an... Uh, uh, tough-to-read leader with the UCP for some people that are kind of going, you know, what what might Danielle Smith look like over four years as Premier? And still... You know, they wind up losing. People are, I think, widely expecting Rachel Notley to to stay on for a while. We'll see what that looks like. Probably not till the next election. What are your insights?
2: Well, I think uh, what we're going to hear over the next couple of days is did the UCP win this election or did the NDP lose it? Um, I I don't know that the UCP ran a great campaign, but I don't think the NDP did either. Uh, For a lot of people, it was missing a shot on an empty net. And Mm. so I'd be looking you know, how did you fail to appeal to Albertans in what seemed to be a very winnable election? And conversely, if you're the UCP, did you learn any lessons out of this? You lost 10 seats from last. Is, is that to be expected? Or are you going to do that necessary soul-searching to make your case as the government of this province?
1: Yeah, and then and then you, and then then you conversely, you go, okay, well, the, you know, the, the UCP do lose 10 seats, but they retain a, a majority government. Danielle Smith earns a mandate, wins her first general election as leader of a party. Mm-hmm. Right? For her, you have to know this probably feels like a long time coming. There's been a lot that's happened between the last time she ran in 2012 and, and this time around, yet still rumblings and leaders all you know often let me say have to put up with this you know the knives are out who are the friendlies and who are the foes amongst that caucus she'll be making cabinet decisions uh, do you feel like putting your neck out there and forecasting what what in this context what what the next six to 12 months might look like for alberta's premier elect
2: oh i mean once again i think that uh, there was lots of chatter about uh you know the lead like she might not last as leader I I would say anything goes at this point. She's yeah. proven that she can deliver for yeah. all for like on her electoral promises. And I think some of the things she was talking about last night that appeal to the people who didn't vote for her, I think shows that that desire to pivot and and govern um, responsibly and respect respectfully. So I, we haven't heard a lot of that kind of rhetoric lately in politics. It took me a little bit by surprise enough that I wrote it down. But it you know was a bit of a relief to hear thing. Yeah honestly
1: yeah yeah, um, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens I mean this is this is always kind of the, the interesting point you know you get you get to the results now we know what it looks like and then now it feels like it's just the beginning uh, you're alluding to just as much in, in this relationship I mean I guess not a lot changes really, between, you know, Edmonton City Council and the provincial government. You've got some familiar faces there. Who's going to be the Minister of Municipal Affairs will be a big and interesting question. You know, who will take that portfolio? You wonder if Rebecca Schultz might keep that one.
2: She might, but she's also now in a more powerful position. Totally. She's one of the few returning cabinet ministers. Yeah. Um, and, and a different dynamic that we haven't talked about yet is the next group to go to the ballot is the municipalities. Mm. So balls in our court in terms of delivering on our promises for our constituents.
1: Well, give us an issue to focus on there.
2: Um, I housing is a big one, I think, uh, but also revenue generation. Uh, we have attention, property taxes. Um, there's been stories over the last couple of weeks, people seeing expenses escalate, but municipalities have limited limited tools to to deliver on uh, what cities uh, what cities across this province are facing. Whether it is housing, whether it is the sort of need for services so that that's a complicated conversation requires collaboration and it requires a collaborative approach so you gotta you gotta go in with an open mind and an open heart to those conversations and
1: Oh, I feel like you're okay. kind of communicating with your council colleagues right now through Real Talk, which I don't mind at all. I don't mind one bit. Also really appreciate you getting up early after a late one last night. It's good to see you again. Twice in 12 hours around the Real Talk table. Here we go.
2: You got great. You had, you had a great, we had a great time last night. You've got great listeners. On yeah. This well, I
1: appreciate you saying that. Yeah. It was amazing to have some of them here and meet them in person. Some people out of the chat, some people out of the email inbox, put some faces to names. It was awesome. Thanks for being here, counselor. We appreciate it. Anytime. That's Edmonton City Councilor Sarah Hamilton. Coming up in just a second, political columnist, Rick Bell. These conversations happen because of Real Talk sponsors like our friends at California Closets. They've got custom closet storage solutions for the entire home. And, well, of course, a lot of you are going to be thinking about the big bedroom transformations that they can do or the fabulous entertainment center built-ins they can create in your living room or your family space. Don't forget that they're also doing a ton in the garage space. A lot of people just kind of overlook the garage garage, right? I mean, I've been one of them for so many years. You're tripping over rakes, your hockey equipment's laying on the floor, drying out. The vehicles are getting snowed on outdoors because there's no room for them. California Closets can help you turn this around. Their garage storage cabinets reflect the fact that, of course, the garage is the workhorse of the home. Why not make it work a little harder for you? You can get started on your own custom-designed garage cabinetry by visiting CaliforniaClosets.ca. Today. Hey, with just a couple of days left in May, our friends at Grand Dog Essentials want to remind you that they've got some great specials on right now. In particular, one for those of you whose canine family members are loving that doggy muggy chicken veggie raw dog food blend. It's on sale for 99 bucks, a 40-pound box. All the way through till May 31st, you got a couple of more days to use the discount code May 2023 at checkout to receive your savings. Now, if you're a regular to the show, you know that Grand Dog Essentials is delivered right to your door in Edmonton, Calgary, and Central Alberta. And of course, they've got a ton of supplements you want to check out as well. Under the Shop Now link, these Adored Beast Apothecary supplement line, really popular. Why? Because, well, it's not just for dogs, for cats as well. You can learn more about the offerings again at granddog.ca. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy are hiring right now. If you're in Alberta or B.C. and you're looking for a new opportunity, you want to be part of Canada's green energy movement, part of Canada's energy and sustainable future, check out kubienergy.ca today. They're looking for apprentices. They're looking for electricians who are looking to be part of a big and bold new corporate vision driving Canada toward at zero. It's what Kubi Energy is all about. They've got a lot of great perks as well for folks that are joining Ke- Team Kubi. You can get the ball rolling on that. Make contact with their team at kubienergy.ca. And a big shout out to our friends at Friesen Brothers, 16 different Alberta communities. They want to remind you that their garden centers are now open. One of the best parts about the Friesen Brothers Garden Center experience, more than half the plants you're going to find there are grown right here in Alberta. That means they're well suited for the Alberta climate. Even the potting soil from right here in Alberta. No surprise. This family-owned company has been all about that since inception more than 65 years ago Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. Sun columnist Rick Bell in just a second let's uh, hear a little bit from Alberta's premier elect Danielle Smith here she was taken to the stage late last night the results taken a while to roll in but once it was confirmed that she'd won her first general election. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. And
3: just as I would like to thank the hundreds of thousands of Albertans who voted for the UCP today, I want to speak for a moment to every Albertan who did not. I want you to know that my oath is to serve all Albertans, no matter how you voted. And though I didn't do enough in your judgment, To win your support in this election, I will work every day to listen, to improve and to demonstrate to you that I can be trusted to improve on the issues that you care so deeply about. Now, I won't be perfect, of course. We all know that. But when I make a mistake, I will listen, correct course and learn from it so that I can improve and become a better leader. And so I invite all Albertans, regardless of who you supported in this election, to reach out to me with your ideas and your concerns and your questions. That feedback that you give me, positive and negative, helps make our UCP caucus and I to make better decisions. And that is what a healthy democracy is all about.
1: That was Danielle Smith last night. Bit of an olive branch to those that did not vote for her or the United Conservatives. Rick Bell, of course, has been covering Alberta politics for many years, and he was killing it last night. Great to see him uh, on the CBC and grateful that he's making some time for us this morning. Uh, Kind of a a nice, in the spirit of a healthy democracy, a message from the premier-elect to those that that, uh, didn't have the nicest things to say about her heading into it. Were you surprised
4: by that? There wasn't exactly gloating, I wouldn't say. No, I, I wasn't surprised. Surprised at all. You—that's that, the sort of thing you have to say on election night. What was interesting is, first off, I—I I bet fifty seats. And if Tyler Shandro had actually won a couple more votes, it would have been fifty. But it looks like it's forty-nine.
1: Yeah. And well, anyway, Rick, that, but there, Rick, there's a couple ridings that are still within twenty votes, thirty
4: votes. I mean, I mean that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So it could—it could be as much as it could be it could be fifty, fifty-one. Yeah. Uh, but I picked fifty. But. Interestingly, I was just looking at a column I wrote on October 13th, right after she won the leadership, a column that a lot of people laughed at Smith about called Dan. I'm looking at right now. Danielle Smith, how she thinks she'll win the next election. Yep. Keep the rural win 10 to 15 seats in Calgary. Bingo. Bingo exactly what she did
1: yeah and that
4: was probably no you should be going after every vote why are you writing off certain parts of the province blah 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 but in the end now she's got a problem now because she only has a dozen big city seats but that was her strategy keep that rural base happy and win enough in the calgary suburbs to get over the finish line
1: well okay so you say that she's got a problem now because she you know they've surrendered uh let me not say surrendered but they lost some some of the big city seats are you talking about in the process of forming a cabinet like why exactly she's got majority government she's got a mandate for no i i
4: i I just think when you're when you only have a dozen seats for you know the two legs of the stool of alberta of the three-legged stool you know yeah she'll she'll be able to form a cabinet and you know, that will be fine. But I'm just saying, you know, she probably want, you know, deep down, they probably wanted a few more seats. They wanted a Tyler Shandro to win. They wanted a Jason Coffey to win, even though they knew that was not necessarily going to be possible. But interestingly, remember all the coverage. Everybody's forgetting the coverage during the election. All, but you know, all the videos, all of the, all of that stuff. And in the end, it did, you know, it may have made some difference, but she almost got the same amount percentage vote as Jason Kenney. The NDP went up, but the Alberta Party vote, which I think was around eight or nine percent last time, virtually does not exist. Yeah. So it looks like a lot of that, almost that Alberta Party vote almost totally swung to the NDP. And, and that's where they got their bump. I think they got, what, about a 10% bump. And I think the Alberta party under uh, last time was about 8 or 9%. Yeah, not Lee, and Notley but- And Danielle got like 42, 52 53% uh, of the vote. I mean, it was. And remember, can we go back to the 2019 election? Remember, what was the big story of the 2019 election in the coverage? Not Jobs, Economy, Pipelines, Trudeau, Carbon Tax. That was Kenny's agenda. The UCP leadership race, alleged corruption, kamikaze candidates. We're still waiting for that. So, you know, it's interesting what people thought the ballot question was as opposed to what the ballot question was. The ballot question did not end up being Danielle Smith, at least not for enough people.
1: Some of these ridings that were in play, we talked to Dave Cornway yesterday, and he's going, you know, right. keep an eye on Calgary Elbow, keep an eye on Calgary Glenmore. As it stands right now, I mean, the numbers that we have right now, Calgary Glenmore is is being held by the NDs, Nagwan Algonit uh, taking out the incumbent Whitney Isik by 30 votes, it looks right. right now. 49.2% of the vote to 49.1% of the vote. It looks like the NDs are going to take Calgary Elbow as well, which was most recently held by United Conservative uh, Doug Schweitzer, It was held before that, uh, and I'm talking a ways before that, by Alberta party leader Greg Clark. Calgary Elbow has been the home of two premiers, Redford and Klein. Interesting message being sent by Calgary. Some hard-fought campaigns, obviously, down there. Uh, Can I ask you, big picture, did the city of Calgary collectively send a message, Rick? And if so, what did Calgary say last night?
4: Well, it's different parts of Calgary. As you know, a city, when you look at these actual ridings, uh, the ones where you know uh, you know there are a lot of ridings where the UCP won with reduced numbers so obviously there was some concern about that whole uh you know the the what the NDP was saying about Smith uh, risky unpredictable bozo eruptions you don't know what she's going to do it did have some effect in Calgary it just didn't have enough effect in Calgary so there is a message there. And you were asking, by the way, about Rebecca Schultz. I think I heard that on yeah. the last one. Finance minister, thank uh, you. Let's move on to the next question.
1: What gives you the confidence there?
4: I think I think she'll want somebody who is a moderate, suburban Calgary uh, person to be in that position mm. because, again, they'll only have, what, about a dozen seats in, in uh from from Calgary. So I think they'll want somebody. And remember, she was during the campaign and before the campaign. She was often the person who introduced Danielle Smith. She went she quarterbacked some press conferences with Smith uh, for Smith. So, yeah, I'm just predicting. And I mean, it may not be true. I mean, I'm just saying this off the off the, off the top of my head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the I mean NDP, a lot of people.
4: This is who I, I mean, what is going to happen now? To the NDP.
1: Well, you tell me, Rachel Notley, I think. Stay, I don't speak for Rachel Notley, obviously, uh, but, uh, you know, I think that she stays on for, you know, like a, what what is sort of like a grace. she she has she's earned the 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 rights right. and, the, you know, the privilege, I suppose, of of writing her own departure, if indeed that's what she chooses to do. Right, right. I would suspect, you know, I don't know. She rides it out for the next 12 to 18 months. They tee up right, a but, leadership but, race. But, what do you think? But then,
4: no, but the big thing is not so much what happens to Rachel Notley, but what happens to the NDP, because this particular strategy Danielle Smith digging up videos, digging up stuff, the ethics commissioner. That's all gone now. Yeah. They can't use that again. That's finished. That's done. So now, Smith, they will have to attack her on her governing. So the NDP is going to have to make a big adjustment now, apart from the fate of Rachel Notley, as to what they actually do, what they actually stand for, what they actually want the ballot question to be, because the stuff the the most of what they ran on is gone now it's done we we don't need any more videos we don't need any more what did danielle smith say on talk radio or in uh, some podcast that's all done that ammunition has been spent it's been fired so now and you know the natural has alberta really changed well, you tell me, let
1: me take, Rick, let me, let's me let take a look at one riding in particular. Here, here's one that people were curious to see how it would play out. Jennifer right. Johnson, the, the controversial candidate in Lacombe-Pinocca, uh, Danielle Smith, has said that Johnson will not sit as a United Conservative, at least at the outset uh, of right. this next legislative session. She dominated in Lacombe-Pinocca, winning by more than 10,000 votes yes, with exactly. 67% of the vote. Lacombe Pinoca, and this is not a compliment, uh, also sent a very clear message to the rest of the province and the rest of the country. What does that tell you? Bigger picture.
4: Bigger picture is that was never a big story. It was it was a big story in the sense of what was said, but it was not a big story in the sense of moving the needle. But I never I never wrote about it, not because I thought her comments were appropriate. They were definitely not appropriate. Let me underline that very much not appropriate, but they weren't they weren't moving the needle or they may have moved the needle a little bit a little bit in calgary but they didn't move the needle enough because when you're running you want to run a campaign where you can win
1: i will say this daniel smith is capable of reasonable normal pragmatic job performance and i think that if Correct. the team around her is committed to keeping the focus disciplined Uh, then there's a lot that'll work in her favor, economically and otherwise, the NDP is going to be an interesting one to watch, Rick, because there will start to be rumblings. And and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but there will right. be rumblings around what the next leadership of the NDP might look like. I don't think that they lost badly enough that Rachel Notley has to walk away in the next two well, weeks. right. But we'll start right. to hear names. Some people will say that maybe they go with someone like Shannon Phillips. I think a, a lot of the NDP supporters like what they see from Racky Pancholi up in Edmonton. What do you think the future looks like of the official opposition?
4: i think they have to do you know, i think the last guest talked about soul searching uh i'm sure there will be soul searching on the ucp side but their soul searching doesn't have to be as intense right now because mm. they're still celebrating they want like it or not so i think the ndp is going to have to decide who they are because a lot of the you know daniel smith is crazy stuff again can't be used anymore well and you know what? so, so they have to fill that vacuum with something in other words are they really the unite the non-conservative party which would make them look something like the alberta party kind of a little bit like sort of like a liberal party or are they the old ndp you know a let's call it social democratic party i mean i think there's lots of of uh room for them to think about who they actually are, what they consider the uh, their being, who you know, who they are. I mean, I, I think a lot of people aren't quite sure what that looks like because, and I understand why the NDP went with what they did. It was such a tantalizing target, Danielle, you know, because of her past comments, because of her past performance, because of her past history. So that's largely what they went with, but they – have to actually decide who they are and you know, that's not going to be that easy because an NDP, in my opinion, Alberta has not changed enough so that a so-called old school NDP would win. So they've got to be something else. could be like here. No, my home province of Manitoba, Gary Dewar was very successful. He was an NDP premier. He was appointed by Stephen Harper, Mm. you know, to be an ambassador. Um, but he, re- you know, in essence, he really was kind of like what we would call the Alberta party.
1: Let me ask you, Rick, uh, we're talking to Rick Bell, if you're just tuning in and I know we're right up against the clock with you, I know you got no stuff to do. So it just, you know, we'll, we'll make this relatively quick, but you know, what does your gut tell you based on not just what we've heard from Danielle Smith, but the rumblings you're hearing? What are your sources telling you about what some of the top priorities are going to be? What are we, 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 Daniel Smith, we're going to play a clip after we chat with you uh, talking about Ottawa, Trudeau's plan, electricity rates, the Alberta energy industry. Obviously, that'll be a common theme. We'll Why, see how. Gonna br-
4: yeah, she's going to bring in bill one, you know, so that we won't have tax hikes without. A a, a referendum. Which is
1: a bit of a publicity stunt. I mean, any government.
4: But but in the end, she has to. uh, There were people down there. I went after I filed my column. I went down to the big four building and there were people there that were very concerned from Calgary who thought the influence of. uh, Let's say, take back Alberta and others did have an effect in Calgary and did reduce the number of seats that they won in Calgary. so I think there's going to be people uh, on the more progressive conservative side perhaps or the Ken the old Kenny side that may want to see Smith uh, sound like she sounded last night.
1: I just think it's so funny that now everybody, including me, but people are talking and being like, you know, the, the Kenny side, the progressive conservatives. It's oh, like,
4: what? It's like, it just, I don't know. It just, well, it- I mean, no, but the, but the, no, but the reason for that is, is simple. I walked it. I walked in to that event and somebody came up to me right, a, right away and they just went crazy on me and talked about the media overlords and all sorts of stuff. So, you know that is a part of the party. Like I said, her original a big part was well, no, but her original strategy was to keep the rural, keep the rural. Don't want to lose the rural base. That was priority number one because that would give her, you know, thirty-five seats or more going into Calgary. It would give her that advantage over the NDP going into Calgary. So on the one hand, she can't just throw all those people overboard, but on the other hand. She has to address the issue of uh, particularly Calgary. You know, some I, I hate to say that. I know you're up in Edmonton, but...
1: No, this is a provincial show.
4: Yeah, no, no. But I'm saying the fact they didn't win in Edmonton is not shocker on Shock Street. Nobody's it, surprised. It, it, no, no. And, and for Ralph Klein to get significant love in Edmonton took more than one election. So... You know, that happened eventually over time. He got more seats. Yeah, but I don't on even... Calgary, Calgary, come on, Calgary, the establishment, the cradle of establishment conservatism, Calgary. I live right across the street from Lougheed House. I mean, Lougheed, Klein, Redford, Prentice, all from Calgary. Yeah, And, and so uh, that sort of establishment conservatism, you know, they're going to want to be heard.
1: That was the code. And they're that gonna, was and the. They're
4: uh... want, and I think, I mean, I'm going to say this, I know we're getting way ahead, but they're going to want their influence, their more moderate, middle of the road conservatism to be the dominant uh, sort of tone as opposed to the alternative.
1: Uh, yeah, I was I was wondering how you're going to finish that sentence. <laughs> so, so I had a bit of a I had a I, I you know went off uh, spontaneously uh, in yesterday's show as I am wont to do from time to time, asking take back Alberta from whom and wouldn't you know uh the group's founder david parker reached out and said if you would like to hear my answer to that question simply extend the invitation and i said well i sure will because that's what talk shows do so at some point Over the next, I don't know, three to five episodes of Real Talk, we'll, of course, let everybody know when it's coming. Uh, It'll be one-on-one, me and Take Back Alberta founder David Parker. Let's talk about the influence that uh, Take Back Alberta has on this party and, as they claim, on this Premier, I mean, they've infiltrated, or let, let me say, asserted some control over the party's board. Uh, they control a lot of the constituency associations. How do you see this interesting relationship playing out, Danielle Smith, and this group with I don't know what thirty thousand members, Take Back Alberta?
4: Well, uh, you know, at the, on the you know, you you have to. I think what she has to make plain is a simple. She has to say this more and more often this is a, the UCP, let me make myself clear, the UCP is a big tent, mainstream conservative party. Now, when you have a big tent, that big tent can include, take back Alberta, that big tent can include red Tories. It can include both. But each side has to give something. It can't be an absolutist agenda. It can't be We want everything we want, and if we don't get everything we want, there is going to be trouble. The Conservatives remained in power, creating a one-party state, because they were able to balance off different factions. But all of them had to put a little water in their wine. So take back Alberta can have input but they can't just say here is our manifesto danielle and this manifesto must be put through and i think the fact that calgary wasn't as inviting to smith as it was to kenny and it shows her that she does have to settle down the calgary people who are largely not there are a few take back alberta people here too Uh, but are not that. So, I mean, everybody, when I covered Ralph Klein, you had a wide spectrum of people. You had Jim Dinning. you had Stockwell Day. You had Steve West, you had Gary Maher. You had a wide range of people, but each of them got a lot of what they wanted, but not everything they wanted. So I'll be very interested in your interview with the head of Take Back Alberta to see to what degree take back Alberta is willing to put a little water in their wine rather than just say, we got her in, let's rock and roll. Yeah.
1: And I think that there can also be a bit of a wake-up call for for people once a premier or once a party has won an election. Uh, I think the amount of time it takes for them to return your phone calls could be extended a little bit, if you know what I mean. They've got some time, some breathing room to operate now. Uh, Rick, Absolutely. it's always a total pleasure to have you on the show. We kept you way longer than you said. Oh, you'd No could problem. Stay. We Anytime really appreciate time for you, it. You no problem. Awesome, my man. Hey, nice job last night on the broadcast. It was good to see you there. Thank you. All right. That's Rick Bell. You can follow him on Twitter at SunRickBell and of course you can read his columns in the Calgary Sun. The guy's been covering provincial politics uh, for a long time and and it was some real scoops. He was the guy. It has to have been. I mean, he referenced it right there. I would imagine one of his most read columns in the last five years probably when he got that exclusive with Danielle Smith. You remember that. We had Rick on the show talking about it where she basically said, I mean, in not so many words, "Eh, you know, we're not as concerned about Calgary. We're not as concerned about keeping seats in Calgary. And everyone have, how do you feel if you're like Tyler Shandro, or how do you feel if you're a prominent MP or cabinet minister out of Calgary right there? But hey, she called the strategy, the strategy worked, and now you've got a UCP government. Uh, right now, as it stands, as we're doing this on Tuesday morning, looks like 49 seats, but of course, that number could could change a little bit. And, and along with that, John, we'll change potentially the results of our of our our uh, whiskey contest, our bourbon contest yeah. last night at our viewing party right now. Give a Very shout close. out to yeah. political strategist. Uh, and, uh, you know, you've heard Jared Campbell on our group chat roundtable. He and Jason Leslie of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce right now are tied, uh, having okay. predicted a 49-38 outcome. Uh, we've got Jake Kubisky, the CEO of Kubi Energy, who, who predicted 50 seats. So yeah. Jake, I'm sure will be, you know, he'll win the bottle of bourbon if that number changes a little mm-hmm. bit. So a lot of fun last night. How are you holding up? You were uh, run, you were keeping it moving last
5: night, buddy. I'm a quart low. Well, here you are, Johnny,
1: <laughs> bringing it in just a second. Dr. Mark Crawford from Athabasca University. But you know, these conversations happen on Real Talk because of amazing sponsors like our friends at Apex Automation, and, and they want you to know you can check out right now apexautomation.com. That they're hiring And not just for Alberta Not just for BC They have projects across the country And congratulations to the team at Apex They've just opened up a field office In Houston, Texas How cool is that? I mean the fact of the matter is There is an incredible amount of opportunity In the field of automation And Apex is leading the charge with projects, autonomous vehicles and machinery, advanced process controls, robotics, remote terminal units. I mean, all kinds of cool stuff. Alarm management, the opportunities go on and on and on for electrical engineers, instrumentation engineers. Maybe you're you're a computer science engineer or a mechanical engineer. How about an electrician or an instrument tech? Listen, the point is Apex Automation is a company that understands the value of their team. They put people ahead of profits and they'd love to hear from you. This might be the universe tapping you on the shoulder. You can learn more at apexautomation.ca. Boy, a beautiful, beautiful week ahead forecast-wise across the province. If if you're feeling like treating yourself, and why wouldn't you? If you're in the Metro Edmonton region, the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want to invite you to check out June's Blizzard Treat of the Month. Available now The Reese's Caramel Pretzel Blizzard Treat Summer should be one big adventure for you And your taste buds And this blizzard will get you there A salty, sweet thrill ride Yeah, I said thrill ride A crunchy pretzel and peanut trail Leading to the world-famous DQ soft serve Why wouldn't Josh? Why wouldn't Josh? <laughs> There's no reason not to At the Dairy Queens of Palisades Nemeo Newcastle West Mountain and Sherwood Park on Baseline Road. Our friends at Complete Care Restoration know that, you know, obviously fires, floods, a real gut punch. They've got a ton of experience helping Albertans bounce back from disaster. And as we recognize right now that entire communities have been displaced and in some cases significantly damaged by wildfire. Big shout out to the firefighters right now across the province of Alberta. If this is your reality, we want to let you know you can trust the team at Complete Care Restoration. To get you back on your feet It's what they've been doing for more than 10 years A family owned business You can get in touch with Complete Care Restoration This is a team that is going to get you to where you need to be With utmost professionalism You can learn more about what they do By the way, mold and asbestos removal as well Sometimes those are the ugly surprises involving a home renovation CompleteCareRestoration.ca is where you'll find them And if your projects, your home improvement is going to be more in the outdoor spaces, look no further than Eden Landscaping across the Metro Edmonton region. This is a custom landscape builder for more than 20 years. They've been earning referrals and return business. Why? Because they are the complete service landscaper. You're not hiring a contractor, then bringing somebody else in to do the stonework. Then somebody else is going to get that retaining wall where it needs to be. Uh Uh-uh. Full project management from start to finish until you're completely satisfied. You can get in touch with Eden Landscaping today by visiting landscapeedmonton.ca. So we know Danielle Smith is Alberta's premier elect. We know the United Conservatives are going to form government. As it stands at this moment, Uh, 49 seats looks like the total, but of course that could change by the time some of our podcast audience members are listening to this, that number might've been in flux. We do know what some of Smith's priorities are. We do know what some of the plans look like. Dr. Mark Crawford will take us there in just a second. Here's another little bit of what Danielle Smith had to say, not just to United conservative supporters, not just to Albertans last night, but to Ottawa too.
3: We need to come together, no matter how we have voted, to stand shoulder to shoulder against soon-to-be-announced Ottawa policies that would significantly harm our provincial economy. Now we have been made aware that in the coming weeks, Justin Trudeau is planning on bringing forward new restrictions on electricity generation from natural gas that will not only massively increase your power bills, but will also endanger the integrity and reliability of our entire power grid, which we rely on during our cold and dark Alberta winters. In addition, the Prime Minister is already ready to introduce a de facto production cap on our oil and gas sector that, if implemented, implemented, will result in tens of thousands of jobs lost, tens of billions in lost investment, damage our province's fiscal position, and bring economic hardship to Albertans. Now I've made myself clear on this matter to the Prime Minister in person and in public, but I feel we need to do it again. Well, hopefully the Prime Minister and his caucus are watching tonight, (laughs) but let me be clear, this is not a road we can afford to go down. If he persists, he will be hurting Canadians from coast to coast, and he will strain the patience and goodwill of Albertans in an unprecedented fashion. And as Premier, I cannot, under any circumstances, allow these contemplated federal policies to be inflicted upon Albertans. I simply can't, and I won't.
1: To be inflicted... All right. So what is this going to look like? How will it play out? Dr. Mark Crawford is a professor of political science at Athabasca University, where he currently teaches uh, courses in uh, Canadian government and democratic theory. He's done a ton of work uh, in a done bunch of different applications, including five years at both levels of government as a parliamentary intern, a trade policy analyst, a ministerial assistant. Really appreciate you making time for us this morning, uh, professor. A couple of off the top observations about how it all played out last night are you surprised at the result are you surprised at some of the closer races or some of the blowouts for that matter i think we've got you on mute professor we want to make oh, sure we can- there you are loud and clear
0: oh you can hear me now you're all good oh good good morning uh- yeah um, well, four months ago, I would have thought that the the NDP might be cruising to uh, to victory. and I think um and then something happened uh, in in the middle of the campaign. a Janet Brown um, re- very reputable pollster in, uh, in Calgary came out with a new a new poll showing uh, guess what? UCP is ten points ahead in Calgary. and uh, nobody believed it. It was an outlier and it just turned out that that you know she had a more careful methodology you know for correcting um, some of the biases that, that that have crept into polling in recent years and so so um from the perspective of 4 months ago it was kind of a surprise uh but but i, I guess um uh, with the benefit of hindsight uh this election is uh it represents um you know one one uh gradual step towards the normalization of Alberta politics. Uh, we know that we have a um, a two-party system. Um, the um, the seat distribution in Calgary is is um, is fairly evenly split. The, um, the the only problem is that the NDP needed a big win and they couldn't get it so.
1: Do you think, uh, as the rest of the country takes a look at this, and they'll say probably not a huge surprise that you wouldn't call it a surprise nor an upset that a conservative party wins a provincial election in Alberta? Maybe some surprise that it wasn't closer uh, with the NDP, considering some of the things that I think that the NDP had operating in its favor. But you, you talk about kind of a two-party system. Uh, you know, I hate to say it for for friends of mine that feel very passionately about the potential of the Alberta Party, but but I think at this point you say you stick a fork in it. Uh, we'll see what the future looks like for for the Alberta Party, the Alberta Liberal Party. What does the rest of Canada observe uh, based on what they saw last night? Predictable or, or maybe a surprise for some folks in in BC or Ontario or the Maritimes?
0: Well, I suppose uh, from from you know from the perspective of a um, farther away. Uh, what could be more normal I guess than a you know conservative government getting re-elected in Alberta uh with a majority government um but um there was uh you know the polls showed as recently as the second week of May the second week of the election uh that the uh, the NDP uh in most polls was ahead so you know that expectation uh that expectation built uh you know so I think what what really happened is that Alberta Um, is is slowly changing. And some of the polls suggested that it was rapidly changing. And Mm. um,
1: I had a friend say to me about Danielle Smith, he's an ardent conservative. He -hmm. said, this is not conservatism. This is populism. Uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting observation. Now we talk about the influence. I was just chatting about it with Rick Bell. Obviously, the influence that that Take Back Alberta asserts to or claims to have on the Premier and on the party. Um, How do you expect the tone to change, if at all, uh, from Daniel Smith and from the United Conservatives? You do acknowledge that you've left some seats on the table, and, and I think it's fair to say, at least at a high level, that that probably represents an opportunity to win back the more moderates. Uh, would you agree? And, and and do you think that we'll see efforts in that direction? What does the future look like, the connection with this group Take Back Alberta?
0: Well, that's the big question is um, if if the moderate conservatives, well, about, about 5% of the electorate that turned out in the last election stayed home. We had a slight drop in the turnout. So that explains where some of those moderate PCs went. In fact, there was a leading conservative uh, commentator, Ken cool I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of him. Yeah, he actually was the uh, you know the official stay-at-home person. He said because he believes in the rule of law and these kind of traditional Tory values, mm. couldn't bring himself to support Daniel Smith, couldn't vote NDP, so he said, "Let's stay at home." Um, but yeah, I mean. Um, I think there's a real question there because I think Smith and I think she showed in her uh, talk last night she really is um, a kind of American style populist politician and um, I think one reason this uh, besides the energy and climate issues uh, and the federalism issues that are going to be raised by this election um, is that it's the closest thing to an American style uh, polarization. um uh, in Canada is right here uh in this province and and um you saw um her kind of her kind of looseness with um with uh, the facts you know the fact checking of her uh, debate performance uh and um her kind of uh, relaxed attitude towards um rule of law uh, procedures uh, conflict of interest that sort of thing but also when it came um time um to um to compete with the ndp in terms of spending uh, uh spending promises and things you know she said i'm uh, um, i think her quote one of her quotes was you know i'll be the most compassionate conservative that uh, Alberta's ever seen so she's having it both ways kind of pleasing the populist base but uh but but a part of populism is a kind of relaxed attitude towards economics and fiscal restraint too so mm-hmm. um and the question is you know and i think that the chickens could could come home to roost uh, of course um if oil prices drop and there's a sudden um uh you know uh, downturn in the economy like you know um you know what's going to happen then um I was just going to say that's significant. I mean, people got to look
1: at the, you know the, the Alberta budgets that you see are based. I mean, I know that this might be something obvious to point out, but the, they're based on a forecast of of where oil prices are going to be through the term of the tenure, let's say of that budget at least. And uh, if it's not there, um, and if there's a significant drop, then there are significant, like potentially multi billion dollar impacts on the government's bottom line. Now, of course, the Alberta government recently has been in a surplus position, which makes it it gives you a little bit more of a cushion there uh, yeah. as a leader or a finance minister. But of course, that is a, a significant issue at play. The relationship here, uh, Daniel Smith did uh, earn. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think when people saw that, you know, the, the party was announcing there's going to be these big endorsements. And, and yes, I mean, Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Sure, he was a prime minister for a decade. I mean, I guess. But like, I don't think anyone's blown away that a conservative prime minister would endorse a conservative Premier, but but I digress. Pierre Polyev put it out there as well, endorsing Danielle Smith. Some people I think are wondering what that relationship might look like. Smith now walking on the national stage with maybe a bit more swagger. People before would say, Wow, she won the party leadership, but she didn't win a general election. Now she has. And that changes things a little bit, I think, when it comes to the confidence that a that a provincial leader that a premier has. Poliev, meantime, has, has been I mean, subtly maybe, uh, but dialing things back a little bit, which to me signifies that he's beginning to court the urban potential conservative bases across the country. You wonder if, you know, a complete alignment with Smith in a province where he doesn't exactly have to work that hard to earn votes, let's be honest, could be a bit of a liability elsewhere. What do you think that relationship is going to look like? Premier Smith and... The leader of the federal opposition, Poliev.
0: Well, yeah, Smith, uh, of course, clearly indicated last night, and, and and it is her true disposition to to to, to just run hard against all Ottawa, Ottawa, and to pursue um, what could be called a quasi um agenda. She's really attracted to um, this idea, which is popular in certain conservative circles. Of you know, why not let's why not uh, take some of the latitude that's afforded Quebec. And, and get our own pension scheme and our um uh you know and uh, our own uh, uh police force and and everything uh like that. so um so yeah and and um by running so hard against uh against Trudeau uh and wh- whatever its climate change agenda is now what she calls a de facto production cap, I guess she's just referring to a an emissions cap or compliance with international uh uh targets uh, yeah. yeah international uh, treaty obligations arguably um you know is, that, is the, uh, emissions caps and so forth um you know things that are fairly popular or at least accepted in the rest of the country she's going to be running hard against and um that could hurt Pierre qualiev in um, in Greater Toronto, you know for example, or mm-hmm. Quebec for example, Mm. where he, um, you know, he needs, he needs, uh, even though he's ahead, consistently ahead in the polls, he's going to have to make uh, some breakthrough in the GTA. He's going to have to get a certain minimum number of seats in Quebec. And um, I think, you know, the more that she, that uh, Daniel Smith succeeds uh, in making an enemy of Trudeau over energy and climate issues uh, for a domestic constituency, uh, i think as you you um i think implied uh, that could that could make umwaliev's path to victory a little bit narrower mm. so yeah.
1: Really appreciate your time, Mark. Um, we, we should uh, let the folks know that you're you're joining us from the beautiful pocket of Canada, Valmont BC. Absolutely stunning, just past Jasper, which means that you woke up an hour earlier, right? I don't think they're on Mountain Time, right? Just, so, sure appreciate, this interview. sure yeah. appreciate, yeah. sure appreciate you doing it. I can't let you go without asking. I mean, Rick Bell suggests that now is a time for the NDS to soul search, and uh, you know, you have to know. I mean, Rachel Notley obviously would have loved to serve as Alberta's premier premier. premier again there will start now to be questions I mean I I I feel like you know we got to give it a cooling off period before we start asking her directly but everybody's gonna want to know how does she perceive her role within the party over the next while what's her plan maybe she's having those conversations over croissants and coffee this morning I don't know what what would you forecast what does the future look like not just for Rachel Notley But for the new Democrats that I think at this point are going to be start, you know, I mean, they're going to start strategizing, you know, with regards to the message they're sending to Alberta. This is what this party's all about. This is how this party will oppose or show up in the legislature. What do you
0: expect to see from the new Democrats? Um, Well, they're going to try and consolidate their gains in Calgary um, outside of Edmonton. Um, I think I think that Rachel Notley was wise not to uh, not to resign last night. I think she's still an asset to the party, and you know we'll see where they're at uh, two years from now when it comes time for her to to actually decide whether to step down. For example, or um, it's going to give uh, the new members that have been elected um, to the legislature a chance to uh, to show their stuff. So you know, possibly uh, um, a leadership successor could be better defined. Um, that's the one the other thing the other thing is um if if things get if things go south with the economy and the um some of the problems the contradictions of um this populist conservatism which has tied us to the energy revenue roller coaster even more tightly by saying you have to have a plebiscite to to raise taxes um you know, uh, uh, are they going to be able to define an economic alternative rather than running away from the economy as, as an issue and just t- focusing on personality. And, um, you know, so uh, if, if that, that's certainly one aspect of the soul searching uh, that they need to do. And you know, they had an interesting uh, fiscal uh, platform, you know, they commissioned Todd Hirsch from uh, you might want to get him on as a guest uh, mm. um, from ATB. But, um, you know, so if if uh, Danielle Smith has painted herself into a fiscal corner or an economic corner and um, uh, because of her uh, populist, compassionate promises and her her um, her uh, commitment to uh, to low taxes, well, then then perhaps the uh, the NDP and, uh, can position itself as an actual economic alternative. And um, and also we'll we'll see what their personal approval ratings are um not Lee, uh and smith uh two years from now that'll be really interesting it will be
1: that's something we'll certainly be keeping an eye on uh really appreciate you making time for us today sharing your insights and, and of course like we said waking up early the morning after an election when the results were coming in as painfully slow as they were yeah. uh, means that much more nice to see your face Yeah,
0: nice to see you.
1: Nice to talk. Thanks. Yeah, you got it. That's uh, Dr. Mark Crawford, uh, professor of political science at Athabasca University. You can let us know what you make of what you're hearing here on the show today. Obviously, there are a million different angles of approach to this. I checked my email inbox this morning, and it was like, I know that there's, you know, a lot of the real talkers are well aware. Talk at Ryan dot com is where you can send us your thoughts. And, and we got a whole bunch of them, and we're going to make some time through this week to read your emails. Uh, this one from Ron, for example, he says, is it is it too early? Jespo to dissect what went wrong with the NDP? And then he goes, all right, so here goes. So Ron knows he could go for it. He says, I think that the NDP spent so much of the pre-campaign period attacking Danielle Smith with not much in the way of inspirational counter-messaging. He says there was counter-messaging, but it certainly didn't land as inspirational. He's got, he says there's got to be more to the NDP than just UCP bad, were good. Ron says most people in Alberta, I think, felt the same way. Every single vote was a choice between bad or less bad, He says, I'll let you and the audience decide which is which, but I want to be inspired, says Ron. I want to experience hope in politics, new possibilities, not the same stale binary choice between just two options. He says, I also think this is a damning condemnation of the messaging surrounding the other guys. You know, outside of the machinery of the NDP or the UCP juggernauts in Alberta, there aren't a lot of good options, And, and this election cycle Uh, It could be akin to throwing your vote away. I mean, this is what we heard from Jordan Wilkie. That's the battle with the Greens, with the Alberta party. They got to convince people that it's not a a wasted vote, right? He says the voter enthusiasm, this is Ron again, just wasn't there in this election. And it absolutely showed in the way that we got another four years of the United Conservatives. Uh, Ron says, I attend McEwen University. Uh, Shout out to McEwen. He says, on the advanced polling days, I just didn't see a whole lot of people showing up to vote. Just a spattering Here and there, which is interesting because it was record-setting turnout at the advance polls. But I'm assuming at McEwen University, it's fair to suggest that you might have a younger demographic. Maybe the younger voters didn't show up. Common theme, state the obvious, fill it in here, right? Ron says, I don't know, 2015 might have been a fluke. A resounding rejection, though, of the staleness of the progressive conservatives. I'm just not sure how the NDP wins again in Alberta unless they either adopt new messaging or get an entirely new leader. Yeah, I don't know if Notley was the issue. I don't know if Notley was the problem. Although a new leadership race, I mean it can infuse fundraising, this is me talking, not Ron. It can infuse awareness and excitement within a party if they do it at the right time, you know, maybe 2 years out from an election, maybe you give the new leader time to get her legs under her. Yeah, that's what I said. Ron says, for the record, I didn't vote UCP. I voted NDP, but it was an unenthusiastic vote for the alternative to the United Conservatives, that more than a vote for anything meaningful. He says, by the way, I listened to Adler on your show on Monday, and I actually said to myself, give it a rest, Charles. (laughs) He says, the UCP aren't Nazis. Adler never said that, but he did talk. He did compare Take Back Alberta to the Taliban. He did. Which I think a lot of people went, whoa.
5: And just for our listener, I often tell Charles to give it a rest
1: (laughs) (laughs) we'll say that to his face next Monday Ron says there are enough grown-ups in the room to ensure that take back Alberta doesn't turn Alberta into Gilead from the handmaid's tale among the many moments on Monday's show that was where my eyes rolled so hard they almost popped out of my head Ron don't hurt yourself He believes, says Ron, pragmatism has been dead in Alberta politics and elsewhere for a long time. Signed, a tired and frustrated follower of Alberta politics who is praying for some sensible political discourse for once. That from Ron. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time. I I hope it helped you sleep last night. I
5: wonder if those early votes even mattered, though, because I'm looking at so this is like the unofficial total numbers, but, you know, 2.8 registered voters, 2.8 million. And uh, it looks like the turnout was like around 63 percent. Mm-hmm. So I mean I think the biggest we had ever Was what like 67 Yeah turnout to- here
1: was down about 5% yeah. from, from 2019
5: so I mean everyone thought Oh well, you know it's going to be a record turnout Because of the early votes but it looks like we had less Voters yeah. than the last election oh, 5% anyways. down
1: yeah, and that so- might be just because You didn't have a motivated vote Like So and, and Rick was talking about this like What was the ballot box question mm-hmm. You know as Jason Kenney sold it in 2019 A referendum on the carbon tax This one probably a referendum on Danielle Smith That's sure. probably how history will look back on the 2023 mm-hmm. election and if you don't have people that feel super strong about something where they absolutely have to show up mm-hmm. and in this case ndp strategists this morning you know those that were in the war room will be going how, how did we not quite I mean, it's just like, well, that, I think we you know. know,
5: I think, uh, Rick Bell said, or was it our first guest Sarah, Sarah Hamilton, maybe like shot on an empty net. Yeah. She was quoting just Peter McKay. There. I mean, there were yeah. so many opportunities in that debate where, you know, you're sitting there and saying, why didn't you just go a little harder there? Which is what Danielle's perfect at doing. Yeah. And there were people here last night we were chatting with at the party who we were, I know it's not the same comparison, you know, the States, Trump, whatever, but same thing, like sensationalism, saying those crazy things to get in. But, you know, this guest was also saying, I think she's going to pull back now that she officially you know, has power. Same way Trump did. Trump went in and said he was going to drain the swamp and smaller government, and his government, he made government actually bigger. Well, everybody
1: bigger. realized that the, it was just, Trump is the ultimate swamp donkey, so you <laughs> can't drain the swamp. I know you can't compare donkey. the two,
5: but I think it's the same thing. You know, all this rhetoric, all these sensational things, now she's going to kind of pull back and,
1: you know. Well, I mean, you, you'd think if you want some stability, and I think that the average Albertan she probably wants stability, want. yeah. and stability is also the key to political survival for exactly. a lot of people, as the tail of the tape goes. Mark Doran on the live chat says, I think just the NDP blew it, period. People like me, says Mark, uh, advised them to go after the rural vote. Go Talk about land rights. Talk about the R-Star program. Uh, they decided not to do so. Uh, it was theirs to lose, and they lost it. That from Mark. Ken says neither party had a plan. Um, and, and I know now that like the, the partisan supporters will take issue with Ken's comment. I know it. But Ken says neither party had a plan for either our health care issues or for revenue challenges going forward. You know, right now, the next budget would be in deficit for either party. That from Ken. Tracy says things are not bad enough yet. Uh, There's a disconnect between programs and services and politics. And here's another thing. If right now you're sitting here waiting for the NDP's next opportunity to go at Daniel Smith and the conservatives, ultimately what we're all kind of sort of talking about is big blunders, failures, failures. Things blowing up in the government's face. Proof that a program or idea can't work. You know, fiscal mismanagement. And ultimately, who does that hurt? It's a rhetorical question. It's an obvious question. Nobody wants to cheer against the province. The province is its citizens. The citizens are you, real talkers. We're going to keep talking about this stuff. We're going to still uh, work to figure out exactly what this means. Obviously, we hope to speak with the premier elect over the next number of days, as well as Rachel Notley, who will lead Alberta's official opposition into the next legislative session. And we're going to be talking to experts across industry. We'll talk to business leaders. We'll talk to community leaders. I see chatter right now in the chat. Jillian, one of our regular contributors to the live chat. So cool to have Jillian here last night. She was finally able to collect on her winnings as an author of an email of the month. Yeah. I said, don't you dare walk out of here without a real talk coffee mug. So we made <laughs> sure she had her coffee mug. But she goes, uh, compassionate conservatism. Okay. She says right now is basically every school across the province is trying to strategize and figure out what it's going to do with fewer staff in a few months from now than they've got right now. Some people, educators, healthcare. workers workers are going to want to know what is the next number of years going to look like under this government. These are real issues, real people, real public services. These are the stories we will continue to follow. We thank you so much for being a part of today's episode on Real Talk. If you know somebody that would benefit from hearing these conversations, thank you in advance for sharing the links to our show, for sharing our podcast, and of course for continuing to drive our editorial process. We want to know what matters most to you. We want to know what the conversations are sounding like in your workplace this morning or on the sidelines at the soccer game. How are you processing the results you can send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Find us on Twitter, the hashtag RealTalkRJ. We're back at it Wednesday. We'll see you then.
0: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers. Account Coordinator Lawrence Derlego. Human Resources Lena Shepherd. Website Design Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harman Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.